Atonement means to reconcile with God. And in the context of Ramana Maharshi, it's to align your conscious awareness with the vast presence of the heart, letting go of the past, letting go of the future, letting go of all of your desires and attachments and all of your strategies to control. It's really a turning inward to discover the source of the me that you think you are. This is the nature of atonement. It is a deep surrender to the heart and a fire of grace that burns through layers of consciousness that are completely unknown to you. Vasanas are completely unknown to you. So it's not like you can consciously inquire into a vasana. And you have to understand the teaching of Ramana Maharshi is not about pursuing bliss states. Bliss states come and go. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. A beginning, middle, and end. So it is not possible to maintain a state of consciousness because of the nature of all states of consciousness is it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So there's really no difference between a sadness state and a bliss state other than bliss definitely feels better than a sadness state or an anger state or a frustration or a stressed out state of consciousness. And thank God states change because otherwise you would be miserable and sad all of the time. And that's not possible. It's not possible to maintain sadness every single day of your life for every single moment of your life. It might be your common experience that you look at life through the lens of sadness, which means you're looking at life through the lens of the past or the lens of your desire that's not being fulfilled. But to consciously maintain sadness is not possible every single moment of your life. And it's not possible to maintain bliss every single moment of your life because all states change. Just like your circumstances change, your reaction to what's happening in your life changes over time. Your emotions change. So then the question is, what creates your emotional response and reaction to your life? What causes rage? What causes you to fight? What is the cause of your sadness? And this requires an intimate examination within yourself to discover what 
are you thinking? What are you agreeing with in your mind? Because this is one of the root causes of your suffering is to think something and agree with that thought or that story that you weave constantly about you and your life. And it's the attempt to fix and change you and your life that only increases your suffering. So atonement is this surrender to the vast intelligence of God, which is completely invisible. It's surrendering all of your problems, everything, and ultimately your body. It's sacrificing everything for freedom. It's letting go of everything for the ultimate freedom, which is Taria. And Taria is not a state that changes. And this is the focus of this teaching on the changeless, constant state, less state of Taria. So Taria is silent, it is vast, it is the presence of God. And this unseen presence is extremely intelligent. And this vast presence is pure awareness. And that pure awareness is deeply, intimately aware of you and all of your past incarnations, all of your past incarnations. And this presence is light that is not visible. It is electromagnetic light and then beyond understanding because it's more than electromagnetic light. But that gives you a a context for understanding the nature of the presence, which is completely invisible to your senses. But it's this intelligence that has the power and the grace and the fire to remove the vasanas from your electromagnetic field stored in the genetics and the DNA of your body. It has the intelligence to do that for you. You cannot remove vasanas with conscious thought. You cannot consciously remove something from your electromagnetic field that you actually know nothing about. And so this is one of the primary reasons why sadhana, the process of letting go, the practices of letting go, is essential. It cannot be avoided or skipped. There is no shortcut to moksha. There is no spiritual bypass. You've heard so many teachers talk about the spiritual bypass And it's completely ludicrous. 
because going directly into your heart consciously with your awareness might be the first step in an evolutionary process, but it's certainly not the end of that process. And it does not address the vasanas. And Ramana Maharshi was very, very clear about this. Moksha does not happen until all of the vasanas are removed, all of them. So we're talking about eons upon eons upon eons of trauma, right? Of the physical experience of living on the earth plane, eons of incarnations and the suffering of those incarnations and the ignorance of those incarnations. So we're talking about a very thick fog of ignorance. And it's this fog of ignorance that must be burned through the atonement, through the surrender of everything to the vast presence within your heart, this unseen intelligence and power of the entire universe is within your heart. And your mind emerges from this vast unseen presence, this intelligence. And that's why your mind has so much power over you. And you're a slave to your mind when you agree with your mind. And most people are enslaved by their own mind. And they suffer because of what they agree with in their own mind. So it's this agreement between you, which is the ego, and your mind that generates all kinds of states of consciousness, everything from fear, stress, sadness, rage, all your plans to protect yourself and get what you want and keep what you have, all emerges from this power of mind and the agreement with your mind by your ego. Right, So the me that you think you are agrees with, with what you think, and it's that agreement which happens faster than the speed of light that generates your emotional response. So you are generating your sadness, your rage, your fear, your hatred, your judgment, you are generating that by the instantaneous agreement between the me that you think you are and what you're thinking. So really, the atonement is the end of that agreement between ego and mind. And so there has to be this deep commitment to the path that you're on. Right? So the mountain path of liberation is yana yoga and bhakti yoga. And this podcast is an example of yana yoga, right? And it opens the door to bhakti yoga because in the atonement there is love. 
when you align with God, when you let go of everything and surrender to this presence of the heart, there is love. But it's not ordinary love. It's the love of the divine. Because ultimately this unseen presence is the greatest love beyond anything that you might be able to imagine. Your greatest love times a gazillion billion only scratches the surface of the unconditional love that God is. God is love. And so when you're surrendering to the heart, you're surrendering to the fire of grace, you're surrendering to the fire of love, which is bhakti. Pure bhakti is loving the love as love, loving the divine as love, right? It's becoming aware that you are love that who you are is love. This is the essence of Sat-Chit-Ananda, consciousness being bliss. And the nature of this love, which is unseen and vast, with this tremendous power, is Tariya. And this is the teaching of Ramana Maharshi, is to align with Chariya in the heart again and again and again. And it's that alignment with the presence of your heart, the surrender to this fire of grace, this love of the universe. It's in that surrender that the vasanas are destroyed over a period of time. It's like a very thick fog that evaporates in the sunlight of God. This divine unseen light evaporates the unconscious tendencies that keep patterns of suffering happening again and again in your life. So it's important to realize that you must surrender, that you must actually apply the teaching, which means you need to practice meditation. You need to practice self-inquiry. And meditation is a deep, intimate inquiry into the source of the meditator. Who is the meditator? Who is the thinker? Your body does not think. And when you realize that your body does not think, then who is it that is thinking? What is thinking? Where do thoughts come from? What are they made of? And this inquiry is essential. So meditation is an inquiry. Singing the mantra is an inquiry into the source of the sound of the mantra. And mantras are a prayer. Mantras are bhakti yoga. It's jnana yoga in the context of understanding there is a science 
contained within the mantra. The tones, the seed letters contained within every mantra align your conscious awareness with the source in the heart. And you can consciously use the mantra as a form of inquiry when you focus on the source of the sound within you, when you focus on what hears any sound, what is it within you that receives the sound of my voice right now, what is that? What is this conscious awareness? What is this presence within you? Right? And the atonement is shifting your attention from the external and the mental to the silence of the presence. This is the atonement to turn inward to the silence of the presence and surrender to that vastness completely, allowing that invisible conscious energy to burn through the vasanas, through the samskaras, through the gunas. These are Sanskrit words for the biology of suffering, right? The genetics of suffering, because karma is the genetics of suffering. Lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes. It is completely unrealistic to think that you're going to burn all your vasanas in a finger snap or in an instantaneous moment of awakening. Awakening is easy and instant, awakening to the fact that your conscious awareness is an instantaneous realization. But to maintain the direct realization of Taria as Taria, all of the vasanas must be rooted out removed, burned in the fire of grace. They must be burned in the fire of grace, which is this bhakti fire of love in your heart. But first, the very first step is to let go. And one of the hardest things to let go of is control thinking that you are in charge, that you're in charge of your liberation, that you're in charge of your inquiry, that you are in charge of your meditation practice, right? That you are the one in control of everything in your life. You have to let this go completely, totally. And we resist that because we kind of want to know what is the long-range plan. You're, you kind of want to negotiate with God. Well, I'll surrender if you let me know how that's going to affect my life, right? Does that mean my relationship's going to end? Does that mean my job's going to disappear? 
Does that mean I'm going to be homeless? What does it mean for me if I surrender? And if I surrender my control and my strategies to survive, won't I die? Won't I vanish in a vapor of nothingness? So these fears arise in the mind and they must be relinquished because ultimately you're not in control. You never were in control. It's one of the great illusions of ego. So surrendering control is essential and making a deep commitment to yourself, a profound commitment to yourself. Because if you want moksha, which is liberation from eons upon eons of suffering, you must commit to whatever path you're on. And if you're on the mountain path, what's required is surrender. You must surrender everything to the source within your heart. This is essential. This cannot be avoided. And then in the moment of surrender, there's a deeper commitment to the path, to the practices that are essential for your liberation. So meditation is not just about being quiet. It's about aligning your conscious awareness as the atonement with your heart until you can see through this idea that you are the meditator, you are the doer, you are the one in charge. You have to see through that. But the very first step is surrender this bhakti of letting go. This is loving yourself totally, deeply, intimately, and surrendering to the power, love, and grace of the unseen intelligence that has the power to remove the unconscious tendencies from your electromagnetic field of energy that you are. So when the body falls away, your experience of life is retained in the electromagnetic field and a vast, unknowable void of the universe. So everything about your experience is retained when the body falls away because you are the eternal presence. You are not the limited body. You are not the limited experience of life that you've had. You are not your mind. You are not your attachments or your desires. You're none of those things. Nete, nete, not this. You're not the body. You're not the mind. You are this frequency of light that's incarnated again and again and again 
over the millennia for millions and millions and millions of years. And so the atonement is the surrender to the divine. And in that surrender, there is this sweet moment of grace when you realize that that presence is love and that love is loving you exactly as you are. And it's that love of the universe and the power that that represents, which is beyond human comprehension, that sets you free from these layers of consciousness, the thick fog of eons upon eons of experience, of life experience, of karmic actions and reactions. So the greatest act of love for yourself is the atonement, is the surrender of everything, especially the sense that you are worthless and unlovable, this deep feeling that you are hopelessly flawed in some way. This must be surrendered to the fire of grace. And in that sweet moment of surrender, you're set free of eons upon eons of suffering. Om Shanti 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 Om Shanti Om